0: Good morning, church. So glad to have you here. Hey, would you read this along with me? Let's start off with scripture this morning out of Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each each generation generation tell tell its children of your your mighty acts. acts. Let Let them them proclaim proclaim your your power.
1: power. I will meditate meditate on on your majestic, glorious splendor splendor, and and your your wonderful wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be
0: on every tongue. I will will proclaim proclaim your your greatness. greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness.
2: stand with us. Let's worship our King this morning. He's worthy
1: of all of our praise. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. Sing it out. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in No longer has a place to hide I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind And I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken Lift your voice to the Lord My My faith doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love
0: for it thank for your son who you sent to die on that cross for us as we start to enter that Easter season God we just pray that we remember that that we remember that the love that you bestowed upon us yet while we were still sinners Christ died for us he didn't wait for us to meet him where we were at you met us where we were at in our sin and gave us redemption gave us forgiveness and gave us freedom in Christ we just pray this morning that we would sing of that love and cherish it in our hearts
3: Good morning, welcome to Camarillo Community Church, my name is David Hurtado, in case you're new online or in the room, new, I'm the lead pastor here, so glad you're with us. I have some friends, would you welcome some friends with me today? This is Frank and Jessica, Macias, that's right, yeah, absolutely, and uh, I... (laughs) We are highlighting right now, we're in season to sign up for groups, Uh, growth groups you like to call them, because we believe you're going to grow more if you're in a group and community with others. And so right now we're doing the sign-up season. We had a couple new groups uh, join us this session. Frank and Jessica are a new group that are joining us, and the other new group completely filled up. This group, however, still needs people. So make your sad face, Jessica and (laughs) and Frank. And so uh, they're going to be meeting, and listen, I know there are some here who, uh, you know, maybe you've been coming for the last six months to a year, and you're waiting to take that next step, and now is the time to take that next step. I should know other people in my church, they should know me, I should be able to pray for them, they should be praying for me, I should live in community, not just show up and leave on Sunday. And so here's your opportunity. Frank, tell us uh, when and where your group meets. Oh, one, one second. second. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tuesdays at 7 in Mission Oaks. Tuesdays at 7 in Mission Oaks. So if you live in Mission Oaks, there's no excuse. No excuse whatsoever. Ever, And uh, we, we, like to, we like to say, you know, uh, go and meet the people and, and, and go where you connect the best. And so they're going to be out in the patio today. Uh, if you are of, you know, a certain, uh, you know, a fandom, this might be the group for you. Others might hate it. Anyway, so go out there, meet them. They'll be at the table today. And if they're your speed, join their group and let's make sure they're not lonely on Tuesday nights. Can you help me with that? That'd be absolutely awesome. Thank you, Frank and Jessica. Thank you guys so much and we'll see you out there. Very good. Yes, give them a hand. In fact, maybe you're thinking, maybe God's calling me to lead a group. We need more groups. We need more people in groups. We believe that uh, more growth happens in groups than happens in rows. And it's just uh, true. We love the Word of God, but when you, you know, kind of saturate yourself in it, come back and talk about the message and talk about the Word of God, it seems to go a little bit further in our lives. And so I encourage you to join us. Again, as I said earlier, my name is David Hurtado. In case you're new to us, if you're online, on campus, off campus, in your bedroom, in our video venue, right there, outside on the patio, we're just glad that you're joining us today. And with that said, let's jump in. Uh, how many of you have either heard of or read the book, The Five Love Languages, right? Just raise your hand right now. It's a very popular book, yeah, by Gary, uh, I was going to say Smalley, Gary Chapman uh, wrote the book called The Five Love Languages. Either you love the book or you hate the book. It's, it's one of those. It's like there's no medium. There's no in between. You either love it or you hate it. In fact, and the reason you love it or you hate it is because it gives us reasons why we we relate to our spouses the way we relate to our spouses. And, and sometimes that can be a, 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 an eye opening thing and a very good thing, and sometimes that can be a very, very difficult thing for some of us. In fact, let's do an experiment right now. Uh, how many of you would say in your marriage or in, in your relationship with your significant other, if you're not married, uh, that you are of the adage or you you live by the adage, birds of a feather flock together. Anybody like that? Like we are just the same personality. We are the same, uh, you know, we have the same preferences. We like the same movies. We laugh at the same jokes. Uh, We're either both introverted or both extroverted. We understand each other. We get each other. We have the same hobbies. There's literally no conflict in our marriage. And by the way, I've met couples like this. It it is possible. There are people who live in this utopian, you know, perspective of marriage. And and they're, they're more of the, Birds of a feather flock together. And then there's others, if you would be willing to to admit it, uh, with more of the adage of opposites attract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Opposites attract. That, that's thats my life. That's my, like, there's really not a time where there isn't conflict because we're so opposite, you know? She likes comedies. I like action. You know, I want pizza. She wants hamburgers. You know, I recharge by being around people and saying hello to the world. And, and she, you know, wants to be alone and read a book, you know, type of thing. And so, uh, you know, opposites attract, it's, you know, and, and for those of us who are of the opposite attract variety, when you read this book, it reminds you that you married the wrong Person, no, 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 no. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I can feel that. It can feel that way, but it's not. It's not the case. If you if you haven't read the book, the idea is that there are five different types of love languages. Some people send and receive love between, uh, with words. Some people do so with gifts. Some people do so with quality time. Some with touch, and some with acts of service. And so, generally speaking, we have a primary and a secondary on that. I my primary is words. My secondary, far second, is touch. But my primary is Words, my wife, um, her love languages are uh, gifts and acts of service, so we 're literally polar opposites uh, on on the spectrum there, uh, and my gifts are words that 's my gift to you, my words. My act of service is words. That's how I serve you. I give you words, you know, and my wife, uh, you know, she consumes words like nerf darts, like, they, like the impenetrable, you know, what I mean? Like, like literally little to no impact. She's an impenetrable body armor as it relates to words. So I had to learn along the way that, uh, you know, if I get my wife her favorite coffee at Dunkin' Donuts right now, which is her preferred place, then she feels love inside. That's like me saying I love you, right? Because saying doesn't matter. Right, And she doesn't hear those things or doesn't feel the way I feel when I hear things. If I do a load of laundry that she's been stressed out to get to, she feels loved. Now, we relate like this to one another because we've been preconditioned this way. And uh, the way that we've been raised. You know, I had a mother who was not around a lot, working hard all the time uh, just to make ends meet. There wasn't a lot of money, so there wasn't gifts. And there wasn't a lot of time, so there wasn't quality time. There wasn't a lot of any, but words she would lavish us with. I love you, mijo. You could be the president of the United States. You can put a blue ring around the White House. That's hilarious. I'm sorry, but that's, that's funny. Anyway, so anyway, so she, she would lavish us with words and praise us with words, and so I became words. My wife's father would not say very much, but he'd grab her keys, take the car out, wash it, put armor on the tires, and, 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 and change the oil, put the keys right back on the mantle so she never even knew. And then she'd sit in her car and go, oh my gosh, I feel loved. And so we have to learn that sometimes we relate to one another in these ways because we're preconditioned by an upbringing. Understanding these things can actually be helpful in understanding each other. And just as we are preconditioned to relate to one another in certain ways, so is humanity preconditioned to relate to God in certain ways. Like in our humanness, there are some ways that we all, if we're honest with ourselves, relate to God in different ways. Today we're going to look at the human condition and how, all, how we all have certain inclinations with respect to relating to God. How do we attempt to pacify God? And how do we leave the door open for the notion that maybe he doesn't exist? What are some things that we routinely do in relating to God that make us feel righteous before him? And how is it that coincidence sometimes gets credit for things rather than God himself? How can religious rituals actually hold us back? And why is there nothing left to chance with God? For that, we're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel, I almost said Corinthians, (laughs) Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 6. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to open it, get there with me, uh, open up your phones, and let's saturate ourselves, kind of marinate in the Word of God, and let it change us from the inside out. Uh, Let it change our behavior, let it change our affections, let it change our heart from the inside out. If you're new to our church, you like to do this thing where we take the Bible, we put it up here, and we place ourselves underneath it. And let it be the rule of our life. Let it be the north star. Let it be the goal. It doesn't mean that we're all arrived, but it doesn't mean that we are striving for the principles of the scriptures. Overarching question today in First Samuel chapter six, verses one through twelve, together is how do we, humanly speaking, relate to God in our humanness? Uh, before even maybe I knew God, before I was a religious person, in my humanity. How do I relate with God? How do we, and sometimes we probably still fall into these traps every once in a while. How do we, humanly speaking, relate to God? The first thing we're going to see is that sometimes we selectively choose rituals of appeasement. We selectively choose choose rituals of appeasement. If there's a God out there and he really is up there, then maybe I should appease him. And so there's these ritualistic things that I might do here and there to appease this God. And that's what we're going to see in our passes. How do we, humanly speaking, try to relate to God? Well, we sometimes we selectively choose rituals of appeasement. For this, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 6, looking at verses 1 through 6 together. Uh, 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 Watch as I read, and it'll be on the screen if you don't have uh, a copy of the Word of God uh, right now. It says this. The ark of the Lord was, was in the country of the Philistines seven months. Now, it's been there for seven months. And the Philistines called for the priests and the diviners and said, what shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us uh, what we shall, uh, uh, with what we shall send it to its place. They said, if you send it away the ark of, uh, of the God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means, return him a guilt offering. Then you, will, then you will be healed, and it will be known to you why his hand does not turn away from you. And they said, what is a guilt offering that we shall return to him? And they answered, five gold tumors and five gold mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and all your lords. And so... You must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you and your gods and your land. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians did? And the Pharaoh hardened their hearts after he had dealt with them. Did they not send the people away and they departed? We'll stop there. How do we humanly speaking relate to God? Well, sometimes we selectively use... Uh, uh, choose rituals of appeasement. Now, I don't know if you would want to honestly admit that you've done this, but we've all done this at one time or another. It's the, I'm going to, you know, go to ch- church on certain more key dates Good Friday, Easter, Christmas, Mother's Day, in appeasement to God, as a passing hello to God. Um, I'm going to participate in baptism. And then after I take my baptism, I'm going to take kind of six months off because I've already, you know, did the big thing for God, and so I can take six months to a year away. Uh, it's, it's these activities that we do. Sometimes, you know, we prioritize our children taking their first holy communion uh, if we're of that tradition, and want to get that under their belts, and, and maybe we make sure that we take communion periodically as well, because I've got to do these ritualistic events to appease this God. I'm going to I'm going to make sure that I, I'm good with him. Maybe sometimes I'm going to put a little extra cash in the offering this week and uh, because I want to appease him. See, sometimes we do these things. They're all good things, but we do these things because we want to secure for ourselves or feel secure in our relationship to God. These are all great things to do. But am I doing it because I want to secure for myself something from God or am I doing it because I really just love God? Am I doing it out of appeasement or am I doing it out of love? Am I doing it out of appeasement or am I doing it out of surrender? Because I just love him and everything I have is his anyway. Sometimes we fall into that same trap. And that's what they fall into. Uh, You remember in the story, uh, they captured the Ark of the Lord, which is really God's throne on earth, represents his King's kingship on earth, and they captured it. And in ancient war motifs, that means that the Philistine God is bigger than the God of Israel. And so they're happy they conquered him and they bring him, uh, they bring the ark into their temple treasury, and all is good, except for everywhere that ark lands, whatever kind of area or territory that, that ark goes to, it gives tumors to everybody there. And the idea is there's probably infestation of rats that are carrying some kind of you know, contaminant to people and there's a plague going on where the rats are, the tumors are, and wherever the Ark of the Covenant goes, that's where these tumors show up. And so they're going, we gotta get, send this thing back, we're done, we're done. All right? We are done. It's time to send it back. How do we send it back? And so what they do is they get all the priests and the diviners, and they get them together. And the idea is let's get some advice. The priests would be able to speak to the treatment of holy objects and issues of ceremonial purity. The diviners would be able to speak to incantation, omens, magical procedures, anything in the occult realm. And what they're doing is they're bringing two worldviews together. Come here. Tell us how you would send this thing back. And we're going to find some way to send this thing back, and hopefully these tumors go away before we're all dead. Uh, They are uh, pulling out all the stops. Uh, Give us the the magic people, the occult people, give us the religious people, and let's figure out how to send this back. The advice that's given to them is to not send the ark back empty-handed, but send it back with a guilt offering. Offer appeasement to this God uh, for your guilt, And then you'll know whether or not, if the punishment goes away, the tumors leave, then you'll know that this, in fact, was the issue. A popular notion in the day was that when you came towards any small g god, you would always bring gifts. I mean, that's just ancient culture. You would bring gifts, you would bring appropriate words and appropriate actions if you wanted to appease a god. If you didn't come the right way with a gift, then you could be squashed by a foreign god ancient practice, approach God, you never approach God empty-handed. It was just part and parcel. In fact, it's not until you come to the Western world or Western society that you have the expectation that somehow God should be free, like we should have no financial uh, connection to God. It was always, I bring my best to God. It was always, I bring, I never come empty-handed to God. He's higher, I'm lower, I serve him, not him serving me. That's a Western idea more than it is a historical idea. And so then they say, well, okay, what kind of appropriate guilt offering would there be? Like, like, what do we do? And let's go back to verse 4, and we'll see what is suggested. And they said, what is the guilt offering that we should return to him? And they answered, five golden tumors and five golden mice, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and all your lords. And so you must make images of your tumors and images of your mice that ravage the land and give glory to God of Israel. Perhaps he will lighten his hand from you and your gods and your land. Why should you harden your hearts as the Egyptians? And the Pharaoh hardened his hearts. And after he had dealt with them, being God, had dealt with them ever so severely, did they not send the people away and they departed. You're messing with the same God. And so you should keep that in mind when you're dealing with him right now. Five tumors... And five golden mice. Now, this is really interesting. We looked at this earlier in the last chapter. Tumors. the word for tumors is just swellings. So they have swellings, kind of like a hemorrhoid type uh, a tumor swelling uh, going on in their uh, uh, unmentionable parts. And, uh, and, and so what they were to do was to fashion these gold figurines in the shape of the tumors, in the shape of the, of the swellings. And because there's all these mice and rats that are running around and probably carrying the contaminant all around, and, and what's, it, what's, making, what, what's making the plague kind of go to everybody, then also uh, make figurines of the mice and the rats. I, I want you to go look at the tumors and try to fashion the gold so it looks like the tumors. Look at the rats, fashion the gold like it, like, like it looks like it, and do five of each. Why five? Well, because there were five Philistine cities. Remember, we talked about this. Each Philistine area had their own kind of king of the area. And because the ark traveled to three of those and they all got, hey, we've all been infected. Let's come unified. And five represents all of our territories, recognize this as a problem, and we want to send it back and send it away. These were tokens of tribute. Guilt offerings, sacrificial offerings to a foreign god that you had offended. And the idea was, um, in the realm of sympathetic magic, again, uh, ancient times would be very, very customary, whatever it is that you want to leave you, you would fashion the gold figurines in that, hopefully as the gold figurines leave, so do the termoers and so do the rats and the mice. And so in an area of sympathetic magic, they fashioned the figurines in the shape of their tumors, the shape of these mice, hoping that the God of Israel would uh, forgive them of their trespass. And then, I don't know if he caught it, but it's such a great line. Uh, Go back to verse five, the very end, perhaps he will lighten his hand from you and the gods of your land. I think right before that he says, and give glory to the God of Israel. Forgot to mention that. Why don't you underline that, highlight that, uh, circle it. Give glory to the God of Israel. Now this is really interesting because you remember... Uh, The high priest's son dies in war. So does the high priest. The high priest's son's wife has a child because she hears that her husband's dead and her father-in-law's dead. And as she is giving birth prematurely, she passes away too. But before she passes away, she says, name my son Ichabod. Uh, Which is just the word for glory and departed or no glory in Hebrew. And the idea was God's glory had left. And here we're seeing no it's not left it's the philistines trying to give glory to this god who's not dead actually very very alive and and hopes of giving him glory and, and and appeasing him they're hoping that the plague that has come on them would leave them and then the last verse six you don't want to be like the egyptians do you i mean you remember what happens when they hearted their hearts In fact, you go back to the the account in the scriptures, they only could harden their heart so long before God hardened it for them. God will allow you to harden your own heart so long and then I'll just give you over to it. And then it starts saying that God hardened their heart. And so the idea is the history and reputation of God is now, you remember the Egyptians don't harden your heart so long because you remember what happens to them and how it leads to their demise. Try to appease this God Tell him you're sorry. And so we see them try some rituals of appeasement to placate God. Again, I don't know if you would like to make the analogy to yourself, but sometimes we have these own little things in our minds that we're doing to appease God. Maybe I could do this and placate him and he'll give me this. Um, it's kind of a natural tendency in our humanity. And so we see them use ritual appeasements to placate God, but we also see them try to explain away the things of God as merely items of chance. How do we, humanly speaking, relate to God? Well, number one, we selectively choose rituals of appeasement uh, to appease this God. And then secondly, we continually allow explanations of chance. We always leave the door open in our humanity. Maybe this whole thing's just a coincidence. Maybe we're here by coincidence. Maybe all this is just chance. Maybe there's no God at all. We have a tendency to continue to allow for explanations of chance. I want you to see this in verses uh, 7 through 12. Uh, Watch as I read along. It says this. Now then, take and prepare a new cart with two milk cows, on which there has never become a yoke, and yoke the cows to the cart. But take their calves home and away from them, And take the ark of the Lord and place it on the cart and put in a box at its side the figurines of gold, which you are returning to him as a guilt offering. Then send it off and let let it go its way and watch. If it goes up on the way to its own land, to Beth Shemesh, then it is he who has done this great harm. But if not, then we shall know that it is not his hand that struck us, but it all happened by what? coincidence. Circle that, highlight that, underline that. Then the men did so, and they took two milk cows, and they yoked them to the cart and shut up their calves at home, and they put the ark of the Lord on the cart in the box with the gold mice and the images of their tubers, and the cows went straight in the direction of Eshemias along the one highway, lowing as it went, and they turned neither to the right nor the left, and the lords of the Philistines went after them as far as the border of Beth Shemesh. We'll stop right there. How do we, humanly speaking, relate to God? Well, sometimes we or continually allow the explanation. uh, Let's explain away God and make sure that everybody knows it's just coincidence. This could maybe just be chance. They decide to test to see if this is God or merely a coincidence, merely chance. And they do this in a very interesting way. Um, it's actually kind of a cool little story here. Uh, they, they make a new cart and send it on its way. And, and they put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart. And they surmise if the cart goes all the way back to uh, Israel, then it was their God and, and we have appeased him. And if the cart turns around and, and goes in a different direction, then we can surmise that it wasn't their God. And this is all just a coincidence. And we don't know we're going to do these tumors and these mice, but it wasn't, that wasn't the solution. Their God wasn't involved. So they make a new cart, and it's a driverless cart. It's not somebody who's driving the cart. It's, it's animals that are just going in whatever direction they want to go. And this is interesting, uh, driverless, because they're hoping that the God that they have uh, offended will be appeased by this activity and take command of the cart. So they're going out of their way to say, let's leave it driverless, and let's hope that their God takes command of it as, as a sign that he's receiving our, um, our uh, uh, appeasement to him. It's kind of a, like a fleecing technique or a casting of lots approach um, um, uh, to knowing you know, God's preference. It's not something that I would necessarily advise today, um, uh, but God certainly um, allows it here. Uh, and again, these are people who are both pagan, member of the occult, and the religious together, and they're kind of mixing them together and putting this little, you know, secret sauce and saying, all right, we'll use some magic stuff too and see if it works. And so they set a fleece or they cast some lots and they, and, they, and they set the cart on its way. Today would be akin to something like, you know, okay, God, here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna shoot this three-pointer, and if I make it, then I should ask her to marry me. And, and if I miss it, then I need to join the brotherhood of the convent I, I wouldn't recommend doing that. You know, I, I, would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, you know, or if you're, you're single, you know, if I make the shot, then I'm going to ask her out or ask him out. If I miss it, then I'm going to ask their ugly, you know, best friend. You're, 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 I don't know that I would do that necessarily today, but they certainly do it. It's within their purview of their worldview, and God does allow it for this situation, and, and He speaks to it in this situation. But I'm not saying that you, I would recommend, you know, drawing straws for who you should marry or, or things of that nature. Uh, there's other ways to find His will. Uh, so they make this cart, uh, they, they make it kind of a random situation where God would take control of it and it needs to be new. They, they knew enough in their minds that if if in our own traditions uh, in, in their day that the, they had the God of uh, Dagon and they made a cart of Dagon for a ritualistic pro, uh, a procession in a f- ancient festival and that cart was to be ritually cleaned. Well if our God, small g God, is to have a its own brand new, ritually clean cart, then certainly we should give that God that we're trying to appease its own ritually clean, you know, clean uh, its own cart. And so they do that, and they make it driverless because they're hoping God will take control of the vehicle as it goes. And then they come up with this other concoction, that is to take two cows and yoke them together. Yoking is a is a very familiar thing in ancient times for farmers. Uh, you would take two uh, oxen or cows or, or or animals, and you would yoke them together. They had to be like size, like um, um, like weight, like height. Uh, like, they need to have similar power. And the reason is you're taking two animals, you're putting this wooden contraption over their heads, and then you're doing whatever, you're going forward, let's say you're plowing, you don't want one to be walking faster than the other one. You need them walking at the same speed so you can plow, and not uh, plow a circle, but plow a line. Does that make sense? Because if you have, uh, you know, a big, you know, big, big oxen with a little oxen, you're just going to walk in circles. And so the idea is you would take two oxen, and you'd kind of clapped them together, and you would get more horsepower out of that because you're using both of them together. You needed two oxen that were alike size, and you needed them to like each other. Like, like if they were obstinate towards each other, this wouldn't be a good thing either. It wouldn't, it wouldn't allow for you to get what you want done. And so you wanted two that liked each other, were familiar with each other, that were like size, and they could be braced together, and you could, you know, uh, move forward. They go out of their way to find two cows that have never been oxed, that have never been yoked together. They've never been yoked, period. They don't even know what the yoke is. And so, go, okay, we're gonna make this really hard on God, <laughs> you know, and, and, and we'll make it, we won't even, like, we're not even gonna try to set this thing up so it works for us. We're gonna take two cows, they've never been yoked, period. They've never been yoked together. And then we're gonna take their calves and move them away. So their mother cows, who are, their instinct would be to, to serve the, their baby calves as they cry. Take the cows, move them away, and as the babies cry, we'll see if the mother cows go straight, Or if they turn around to go see, you know, make sure that their baby cows are okay, which would be their natural instinct. So you can see they're setting this up to make sure they have a true sign from God, hoping that God would override their natural tendencies. They'd go straight, go straight for Jerusalem. They could be assured that God, yes, he was the one who had his hand on us. And number two, he's received our guilt offering. Then, of course, they place the guilt offering in the cart next to the ark, uh, these were items that were to serve as a sacrifice to God, as a, uh, to placate an angry God. They were basically admitting that they had desecrated the Ark of the Covenant. They are admitting that, the, that, that we know that we thought that the Philistine God had defeated the Israeli God because of the battle that we won. But we're now realizing that your God is higher than ours, bigger than ours, and really, uh, yours is more powerful. It's an acknowledgment. That we didn't win after all. Our God didn't win after all. And so they do all this, fashion this whole thing, set it up, and then let it go and see does it turn around, go to the babies, what does it do, and try to get a sign to see if they've done the right thing. If it goes straight, and it goes towards uh, Israel by uh, way of Beth Shemesh, then, uh, then we know that uh, he is responsible for our affliction, and he's received our penance, or uh, our, you know, um, our gesture of appeasement. If the cows turn around and go more towards the natural side of things to try to find their babies, then we know that this is all a coincidence. It's all merely a coincidence, all by chance. They do the test. According to verses 10 and 12, the cows go straight for Israel. They override their natural tendencies for their children. They somehow know to go exactly where it needs to go. And um, and they surmise that you know what, this wasn't a coincidence after all, this wasn't chance. It was the God of Israel the whole time. Now what's amazing about this whole experiment is when you ask yourself, really, is this really a debate? Like, is this really a debate? Like if you remember last week and the last couple of weeks and the storyline you know, they win the battle, they take the, the Ark of the Covenant, they place it at the feet of their God. The next morning, their God's toppled over uh, right beside the Ark of the Covenant. It's facing down in worship towards it. They're like, oh, that's not good. They pick up their God, which is, which is biblical comedy. You have to pick up your God and put him back up because he fell over and he can't pick himself up. All right, so you put him back up there. The next day they come back again and his arms are cut off and his head's cut off and, and it's a, a sign and a gesture that he's dead. I mean, that's how you would count the number of dead people in a battle. You count the number of hands you had and divide by two. Count the number of heads you had. And that's how many people died. They just you know, That's what they would do. And so here are the hands of, of your God, your quote unquote small G God, and the head are chopped off and you're wondering what, and then to top it all off, whatever city or territory you bring the ark that come in, all of a sudden there's tumors in that city and rats are going everywhere and the contaminant going around and there's a plague and, and really is this, you're wondering this is coincidental, really? <laughs> like after all that, and yet, uh, even still in their own humanity, they're trying to say, maybe we can explain all this away. Uh, maybe this is just coincidental. Um, no debate at all, but maybe it's purely coincidental. This kind of reminds me of a passage, because we do this in our culture today, uh, of Romans chapter 1. We go outside and we look at the world and we go, oh, maybe it just all got here by chance. <laughs> the sun, the stars, you know. We have these atmospheric rivers. Have you heard about this? Going through, yeah, it's all by chance. You know, I'll put up uh, Romans chapter one, and I want you to read, I want to read you this, uh, because it's something we do in a different realm, but it's very similar. Uh, for what can we, can be known about God is plain to them. He's talking about all of humanity, not just Christians, because God has shown it to them, everybody, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been perceived. How? Ever since the what? Creation of the world. When you step outside, you see it. In the things that he has made, so that they are what? Without excuse. When you walk outside and you see the heavens and you see the stars and you see the sky and the clouds and all of it works together. And why aren't there more tsunamis? And who keeps it all in order? And according to Colossians chapter 1, Jesus Christ is keeping it all held together. He makes the whole earth spin and float. When you see the atmosphere, it should go, oh God, obviously. And yet we find ways to explain it away. And that's what they were doing. They, like ups come up with an elaborate plan to see if they could explain this thing that so clearly had God's hands all over it. Maybe we can explain it away as chance. Maybe we can explain it away as coincidence. Which brings me to the big idea. You can respond to God in many ways, but handing your life over to him is the only one that makes sense. You can respond to God in so many ways. You can try to placate him. You can try to appease him. You can try to explain him away. But the only thing that makes sense is to give your life over to him. Stop appeasing. Stop placating. Stop trying to explain away what... Just worship him. You can respond to God in many ways. But handing your life over to him is the only thing that really makes any sense. And yet, in our humanity, we often try to Explain him away. I'm going to end with an illustration that I have to give credit to R.C. Sproul. Um, the late, great R.C. Sproul. Um, and, and probably in large part because he's a brilliant genius, and I, in comparison, am a simpleton. Um, but he tells a story in relationship to chance that is so profound that I thought I would share it. Or share a rendition of it. <laughs> he tells a story about how he's uh, reasoning with a professor from uh, Harvard University, and as he's having this conversation with this professor from the Harvard University, he says, "So, what do you make of this universe? Like, where did it come from? How did we all get here?" And the professor, being atheistic, said, uh, "You know what? I believe it's all here by chance. Everything that you see that you see on earth—it's all chance. It's just inspired by chance." Um, Chance is the reason Coincidence That's how it all came about And R.C. said to him Really? You mean the power supply That produced the Big Bang Because he figured He was an evolutionist The power supply That that produced the Big Bang That was produced by chance And the professor said Yeah Yeah Because wow But you do realize That chance can't produce anything Don't you? He's like, what do you mean? He goes, well, let me give you an illustration. He took out of his pocket a quarter. He said, um, you know, if I flip this quarter in the air, what are the chances that it'll come out heads or tails? What would you say? Anyway? 50-50? No, no, I said, if I flip it in the air, what are the chances that it'll come out heads or tails? That's 100%. 100% chance, right? Gotcha. But if I said, flip it in the air, I said, what are the chances that it'll come out heads? What would you say? Fifty percent. What are the chances of it come out tails? What would it be? Fifty percent, because there's only two sides. There's, you know, it's one side or the other. And so I, I flip the coin in the air. And there's a fifty percent chance it turns out head. Fifty percent chance it turns out tails. But then he asked the professor, "How much influence does chance exert on whether it turns out heads or tails? How much power or authority does chance have over it becoming heads or tails?" I mean, there's so many variables. I, I flip it in the air. I flip it high. And I catch it up here, and then, and then, and then what, what if I caught it down here? What if I caught it down here? So many variables. How many rotations did I flip it? Did I catch it in my hand and flip it over this way and put it in my hand like this? There's so many different variables as it relates to this chance. And so he came back and asked him, how much power or force does chance exert on the coin? And the professor goes, none. He says, that's right. Chance can't do anything because chance isn't anything. Chance is a mathematical construct that we use to describe mathematical possibilities. You are now giving to quote unquote chance the property of personhood and being when you enable it to have power and authority to do something. The problem is chance isn't anything. And for something to do something, it must be something. You're giving chance the property of being. The professor looked at him and said of course how obvious I can't believe I made that mistake but in our endeavor in our humanity we try to make everything just a product of chance because if it's of chance then I don't have to submit to God you can respond to God in many ways but handing your life over to him is the only thing that makes sense stop placating him through ritual appeasements the Easter the christmas services midnight mass the periodic communion observances you can try to leave the door open for his existence to not be anything but a product of chance but then you would deny romans chapter one or you could submit to him as god you can respond to god in many ways but handing your life over to him is the only one that makes sense once you bow your head close your eyes with me If you're new to us, we do this every week just as a way for me to speak to your heart and hopefully God speak to your heart. So we do believe a God who created this universe who makes the whole thing spin and float. We do believe that our condition as humans is that we sin. Once you've done one thing wrong, you don't deserve God. And many of us would admit that we've done hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions. Every day we go through making wrong choices, things that don't add up to God's standard. And God, in his righteousness and his justice, could have sent us all to hell. And he would have been right and just because we had chosen not him. But instead, he decided to send his son, God the Father in the Trinity, sending the son, the son, submitting to this assignment, the spirit who would live in us through the work of Christ on the cross. All three members of the Godhead Involved in a sacrifice The only sacrifice That could appease God That Christ would die on the cross All of my sin would be placed on it And all of his righteousness would be placed on my account So he can say David you are perfect Not because of what you've done But because of who you know And the question for you Is are you ready to acknowledge as God Place your faith in him So you can come to him by virtue of not by what you've done, but who you know. And he'll say, by virtue of the fact that you know my son, you know his name. By virtue of the fact that you know the savior of the world, I have made you perfect. You believe his death, burial, and resurrection as a deposit, as what will happen to us, we'll be buried die and we will be resurrected. Life doesn't end in 80 to 100 years on earth. It just begins our eternal existence. Do you want that? Or are you going to continue appeasing this God that you don't really love? Are you going to continue to, to, to explain away everything you see when you walk out of this room so clearly, says God's involved? in this universe. Father, I pray today for that person, those persons who have been deliberating over this question for the last three months, the last six months, the last year. Am I really ready? Do I really want this? Is this really the time? Do I really believe? Am I uncertain? I have doubts. I pray the spirit of God that you'd move in the heart and soul and woo them. Bring confidence over the decision and apply the work of Christ on their very hearts, minds, and souls, save them. And we will give you the glory. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus.
4: Amen. Thank you, Pastor David. If you're here today and you just, um, what David was just saying in that prayer made sense to you, you're ready to give your life to Jesus. Uh, Would you just let us know that's what's going on with you, that God's doing something in your life? You can go to the welcome counter on the way out of the auditorium on the left-hand side and uh, let the people there know that uh, you're ready to give your life to Jesus. And they'll pray with you. They'll answer any questions you have. If you don't have a Bible, they'll give you one. Um, Or if you're online, go to campcc.net, click on Next Steps, and you can fill out a form there. and One of our pastors will get back to you. All right. All right we're gonna receive the offering now this is one of our ways we worship God and putting him first Want to say one thing about the offering is that we're. This is the last week for Cater a Cop. If you want to participate in that, we have some gift cards we can sell you in the lobby. You can just donate cash or a check if that's easier. If you want to give online, you can uh, choose Community Impact in the drop-down to participate in that as well. We're gonna. If you don't know what it is, we're gonna be catering um, the briefings at the Camarillo Police Station. Right now, I think we've we have enough resources to probably do two different briefings which is awesome, um, and uh, that's just one of the ways we want to say we see you, we appreciate you, uh, as a, and we want to be involved in our community here as a church. All right, um, you know, we've introduced Frank and Jessica with their growth group. Just wanted to say one more thing about groups is we're offering two classes this quarter as well. We're offering a marriage class, gonna be held Wednesday nights here on campus. Um, and if you're in a spot where you feel like your marriage might need a tune-up, uh, this would be a great class to go to. Rob Orm will be teaching it. And then we're offering another class called Prayer Boot Camp. Now, boot camp made me think basic, you know, introductory. That is not the case with this class. It's like a deep spiritual experience with the Holy Spirit and learning how to pray and commune with God through prayer. Um, And that is going to be held at the home of Jessica Dickrun. All right. Um, before we go, check out what's coming up next in this video. Hey Cam CC, I'm Jacob Salas, the junior high pastor. I'm
5: so glad you're here with us. If you're a first, second or third time guest, we have some great gifts for you at the welcome counter to thank you for checking us out. Starbucks gift cards for your first time, stylish mugs for your second time, and an all you can eat dessert with our staff and elders for your third time visit. Mark your connection card if this is your first, second, or third time with us, or if you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. There are a lot of great things coming up at CAMCC. Who will you ask to join you? The month of March, cater a cop. Appreciation at the police station. I'm so excited about our community impact initiative as we look to support law enforcement in Camarillo. For all the deets and how you can be a part of this great opportunity, check out our table after the gathering or go to camcc.net. Sunday, April 2nd, growth groups and classes begin. Sign up today on the patio for the marriage class, prayer boot camp, or growth group. It's a great way to get to know others at CamCC and do life together, and it's just an eight-week commitment. April 3rd to 7th, Mexico Missions Trip. Middle school and high school students, come join us on our missions trip to Mexico. To sign up or for more info, talk with or email Zach at CamCC.net. Fear is not my
0: future, you are
5: Friday, April 7th, the Good Friday Experience stations, 6 through 7.30. Come anytime between 6 and 7.30 p.m. and stay as long or as short as you would like. An interactive, powerful time of reflection, silence, scripture, and many more elements as we remember Jesus. Show up anytime between 6 and 7.30. The experience can take 30 to 60 minutes and is all based on your own pace. Childcare is available up to third grade. Sunday, April 9th. Easter gatherings, 9 and 1045 a.m. He is risen. This is a great opportunity to invite someone to join you this Easter. They're waiting to be asked. Who will you extend an invitation to? Sunday, April 16th, Pathway, 6 through 7.30 p.m. Get to know more about CAMCC and get tools to grow in your personal journey with the Lord. Just six weeks on Sunday nights. To sign up or for more info, email Moyer at camcc.net. May 26th through 29th, family camp. Save the date and join us for a weekend of camping together as a church at Lake Kachuma. For more info on any of these events, go to campcc.net.
2: All right, would you stand with me as we conclude our gathering this morning? Some powerful message this morning from Pastor Dave. What I got out of it is As each one of us want to experience God's presence more in our life, we need to offer our life and those idols in our life to the Lord. Lord, remove those idols from my life so I can experience your presence more and more every single day. Isn't that what we want for our lives? Amen. Uh, If you are a guest with us this morning, I wanna remind you that we have a gift for you just out in the lobby at the Welcome Center. Please stop by and grab your gift we have for you and thank you for joining us this morning also easter's coming up right resurrection sunday's coming up continue to pray for those individuals that you want to invite your neighbors friends and uh, we we welcome anybody that you invite with you just continue to pray for those individuals and i invite you to join us on the patio grab a coffee and some donuts and we will see you next sunday